Aspies podcast. Written, recorded and produced by Paul Wadey. Hello, thank you for listening to yet another of my podcasts. My name is Paul Wadey and my goal is to support and represent other autistic self-advocates as much as promote my own humble contributions to the exploding community of visibly autistic people who are positive about their identities, whilst always being critical of the issues our society and our lives present us. That's me receiving an email. I have not made a podcast for a while because, well, I don't have to. I think they will come in surges over time. This one is very exciting for me, though, because it is my friend, the unique and extraordinarily brave Emma Dalmain. Emma is a single mum of six children, five of which are diagnosed autistic. She herself was a late diagnosis. Emma has become a unique voice and presence in our global community for her standing up to people in ways many of us could never do. She has written two books, started the Autistic Inclusive Meets Group for, amongst other things, play groups for autistic children, often excluded from mainstream schools. Emma has not been afraid to confront sometimes terrible abuse and insult in her online dialogues. She has been the subject of very nasty and cruel attacks because she will not back down from trying to stop people committing bizarre, unproven and potentially dangerous treatments on autistic children to cure them of the neurodivergent natures they were born with. Some would say that Emma Dalmain is the queen of the so-called militant autistics, leading the charge whenever she can. We had a telephone chat, so the audio at her end is a bit sharp. Hello. Hi, OK. We, we talk. First of all, how are you today? Um, tired. Mm. I went to Woolwich and went to the bank, and bless her, though, I can't even moan, there was this woman in front of me, yeah. and she was lonely, disabled and deaf. Yeah. And the till lady sat down with her for half an hour mm. <laughs> and went above mm. and beyond. What she'd been doing is she'd been setting up her her rent for it to come out of the bank, but then not understanding, she'd been going in and getting the money out to then put it back in the bank. I don't know why. But then, obviously, the money wasn't in there to pay the rent, so she right. was getting all these charges. And yeah. So the lady sat down and did it all with her. Right. Mm. And... Um, yeah. But obviously that made us all stand in a queue for half an hour. Well, this is it. They need more staff. It's quite simple, you know, the situation. Yeah, and I said to her, thank you so much. I said, my son is learning disabled, you know, and if yeah. he gets someone like you on the till, I'd be delighted because she was so helpful. Because she said, oh, sorry for the wait. And I said, don't be sorry. That was a pleasure to watch. Do you mean um, Damien? Yeah, Damien, yeah. Because I've always found him to be a pretty sharp fella, actually. Very well <laughs> he, he would be, yeah. but with things like direct debits and everything, he'd have trouble with those sorts of things. I do. You know, if I go in and ask it, I'll ask someone to help me do it because I've got no idea. But with international so, banking or transferring huge amounts mm, of money from one place to another or, or working in the city, we'd yeah. all have trouble unless we were experts. And it's all, it's all a scale of functionality, yeah. you see. So be it tying your shoelaces or actually running a shoe factory... You see, it's all about relative ability, which is mm. not something that a lot of people seem to understand in the world of autism. They, they seem to, have you noticed how they seem to relate in these absolute terms of able or disabled? It's just not the case, is it? Mm. When people can be taught 
and learn things. Oh, definitely, and yeah. And lots of, that's why I, I can't stand these overall labels that, that autistic people are just one thing. They are definitely, they've got to be predicated somehow, called neurodivergent people. But otherwise, I just think we're all utterly unique individuals. Yeah. Really. Now, Emma, what, oh, put on the spot here. This is such an exciting uh, thing for me. I spent a year chasing you to interview you about your life and, and yourself. And you haven't been able to do it because you've been so busy on other things and just trying to survive and literally saving people's lives. I wanted to go right back to the beginning, to how it all began, really, mm. which, which is a massive question, isn't it? Where did you grow up, first of all? Uh, Acton, West London. Acton, yeah. Mm. Yeah. I know Acton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to yeah. work there for an, a national disability really? service. I used to teach meditation to non-verbal autistic people, the kind of people oh. who would bite you, uh, give them oh. a chance. But normally they didn't. They just had things to bite into. <laughs> yeah. And Some had, people that had a lot of sensory issues. Yeah, I had I had sort of friends there. I used to see once a week who were non-verbal. There was a big guy who used to pick pieces off the uh, the floor, and he had a beautiful smile and. There was a woman in her late 20s who used to hum a great deal and grind her teeth, so she had this special dummy-like pacifier she used. And there, oh. was a, there was a lot of other characters used to turn up, and there, there would come a point in the meditation class where all the energy would simmer down, mm. and we were all in harmony. Mm. And it was quite a tangible thing. It went on for years, and it was beautiful, yeah. But, yeah, you get to know, you get to know people at, at their level of, in their style, how come you came over to South East London? Oh, I travelled quite a bit, you know, just mm. moving back and forth, and I ended up in South East London. Yeah. 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 So, so you, here you, I am. You left school when you were 13. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and that deprived the education system of, of I think, a phenomenal mind. That you really oh, are you. an unusually um, well, they, um, person. They weren't catering to, you know, a lot of, especially autistic women, um, yeah. end up rebelling at that sort of age yeah. uh, because we've had enough of masking. And um, yeah. I went on and did some further education mm. when I was pregnant with my daughter. Yeah. And yeah, and now I've ended up writing two books and running mm. autistic inclusive meets and you wrote two books with two fingers because you used an ipad that's my <laughs> despite my yeah, best exactly. attempts to get you an ipad pro macbook pro I know. Yeah. <laughs> you're still using I know. two fingers you're still sticking two fingers up at the world of yeah. QWERTY keyboards yeah and it's a hell of a thing that you've written and created as well because you're one Thank of these you. people if you didn't exist you would have had to have been invented <laughs> because it's quite noticeable. Well, that would have been fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's quite noticeable that the work you've done and the style you have and the motives you have all together are sadly quite unique in Britain, as far as Britain goes. We've got people like Amanda Siegler in America. Uh, yeah, but what Melissa Eaton. Yeah, Melissa. But what you're doing and how you're doing it is is phenomenal. Oh, thank you, Paul. It really... Really we is. all advocate and do what we can in our own way, don't we, yeah. in, in different areas. Can you give so. us an, an idea of how you really got into the work you've been doing? Yeah, yeah. My youngest son yeah. um, was identified as being autistic, mm. and which made me look at the others and think, hold on a minute. You know, mm. because if something is your normal already, you're not going to think anything is different. You're going to think other people are different, which yeah. is what I did think. Yeah. which they are. Yeah. So I ended up being diagnosed as well, and I opened a group 
um, on Facebook for mm. parents of autistic children because all the groups I was finding um, on social media were very negative. It was all negative mm. rhetoric and parents mm. having pity party type sort of, you know, oh, autism yeah. whips my ass today and we beat autism today, you know, yeah. and I hate autism. And yeah. it was all... It was all echoing, you know, it was just, yeah, me too. There was no, why, what happened? What can we do to help? You know, what, what caused the meltdown in the first place? There was nothing like that. So mm. I opened a group and a lot of parents were coming in posting, asking about a so-called treatment that they'd heard about in America called um, CD. Right. So they were talking about a group called CD Autism and um, I went and had a look at it and mm. found out that parents were using chlorine dioxide bleach in enemas and oral solutions on their autistic children as young as 10 months old in large doses, right. believing that parasites were causing autism by mm. using this this bleach, water purification, that it would somehow purge, heal, or cure their autistic children of their neurological condition, which obviously mm. that would not happen. Yeah. All it would do is cause headaches, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, mm. loss of bowel lining, nosebleeds, um, seizures, uh, mm. pink urine, green mm. stools, a lot of damage, mm. you know, and it was explained away by the people who ran the group, a yeah. woman called Kara Rivera, who yeah. has written a book called Healing the Symptoms Known as Autism. Yeah. Um, it was explained away as herxing, a herx minor effect, that the autism was leaving and to keep it up. Yeah. It was advised that if the child was due to have a blood test within the next 10 days at a hospital or with the doctors that you stop using CD to, it does not show up in in the blood. It was advised not to tell teachers, um, family, uh, the school, pediatricians, the hospital that you were using CD. Yeah. You know, it was very, you know, they were advised to use fake names, fake locations. So I began... Um, befriending these parents, speaking yes. to them, finding out where they were and reporting them to the police and social services. And throughout everything you've described, operating from the basis of love, it was like you had no choice but to go out there into situations a lot of autistic people, let alone a mother with a lot of children, on her own. I can give away, I think. Uh, I think I can give that away, can't I? The thing is, you, yep. you look at, as a parent, you look at your own children yeah. and the behaviours that they have and a lot of the behaviours that they were describing in the groups such as smearing, teeth grinding, yeah. um, being nonverbal, a lot of those things were behaviours I, I myself had when I was yeah. little. Yeah. Or that my own children had um yeah. you know, that I'd seen in my own children. And for them to be abusing their children with bleach yeah. for what were stereotypical um autistic right. sensory seeking behaviours is disgusting. So you you Basically, you never thought about it, have you? You've just gone straight forward, straight for yeah. these people. You've never hesitated. And, and, straight and started reporting, started yeah. reporting anyone who was selling it, signposting yeah. it and uh, recommending it. So. And you've never needed anyone to support you in this. You've just taken it for granted that you would rely on yourself, having all the responsibility you have, which is ongoing, even if many of your children are grown, on your own to do that and you ended up networking with the police the times the guardian the newspapers the british parliament. broadcasting corporation parliament yeah parliament yeah. yeah tell us about some some of the work you've done with members of parliament um they actually contacted me yeah. barry sherman's um barry sherman mp his um his at the time pa emily yeah uh, emailed and asked if i would help 
uh, with a survey that they were doing for uh, to look into on unregulated treatments and therapies for autism, so ones that were not scientifically proven. Uh, so I said, of course, you know, and um, helped them do the questions, and, and it was aimed at mostly autistic people and parents yeah. of autistic people. What had they been touted? You know, mm. what had been what had people tried to sell them? Mm. You know, um, claiming a cure or, or a purge or, or a detox. Yeah. Um, and then when the actual report launched, I was invited to go to um, uh, the Houses of Parliament yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, and, and sit there and, and listen, you know, and I was thanked three times, which was really good of them, and six pieces of my work were, were in the report. And they found that, scarily, a lot of people had been offered this and a lot of people had used it. Yeah, yeah. The so. desperate people, that they're reaching out, they... They believe in a concept of curing and helping. Yeah, the thing is, I, I would go with the whole whole excuse of desperate, but it's not cancer; it's autism, right. and it's it's organisations like Autism Speaks, mm. you know, that have have put this fear rhetoric into, into parents. You know, mm. I am autism. I'll smash mm. your house apart. I'll, I'll break up your marriage. Yeah. You know, it's very. It's this. They make it that it's, it's this external force that has invaded your child, and you have to fight against this force. And you know, your child is a puzzle piece. They're never going to fit in. You mm. know, they're always going to be this odd piece. And mm. it's it's that sort of with autism, has autism, living yeah. with autism, yeah. suffering with autism. All this externalizing language that's used mm. causes this damage and this mindset of parents thinking, "Well, I have to save my child," yeah. and even if they're bleeding gut lining out of their backside yeah. it's okay because they won't be autistic anymore at the end because yeah. there's always this view and you get it an awful lot in english-speaking country america that mm. you have got a state of affairs which has been rationalized it's been objectified mm. by language by concepts a person with a condition instead yeah. of it being the root and foundation of what you are it's like homophobia right? i see it. the analogy is LGBTI. So. yeah yeah and they're denying yeah. the reality of the situation. It's as if, well, if somebody can't has a meltdown in the supermarket, don't take them to a supermarket. If somebody can't juggle, well, don't force them to play with objects like balls to try and juggle. And it's the same thing with us. There's things we can't do. For example, I spent my life trying to be good at mathematics, and I never would be when I was mm. cursed to be a creative person. So I did a huge amount of qualificational subjects there wasn't actually any good at. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like I was constantly trying to force my square peg in a round hole and you yourself and your life. And, and what it seems to me is that through doing what you've done, which is basically trying to stop children being hurt, that you have found a whole identity in life you wouldn't have done otherwise. That's very true. It should also be noted that this is being used on teens and vulnerable adults as well. Yeah. And yeah. that... When I first started campaigning and contacting newspapers and yeah. the media about this, it was laughed off. People didn't believe it. Yeah. You couldn't I was believe hung people up would on. do that. Yeah. No, yeah, they didn't be believe silly. it. They're not going around doing that. And then they discovered you were the whistleblower. You were the one who brought it to the people putting tubes up the anuses of vulnerable children and pouring in the stuff they use on swimming pools. Because you can look at that. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's exactly what they're and doing. And through this, you found that you've, you've had a whole life that has come to you of, of friends and supporters and people you're in contact with yeah yeah i've got some lovely colleagues yeah. amanda and um melissa are brilliant yeah and a whole army you know, there's of so us many who yeah 
Um, so many that are doing the same work, but that won't don't want to come forward. Obviously, yeah. you know because of family safety, etc. I mean, I've had threats and um, things like that, but it's what you put up with if you're going to campaign like this. And you don't expect anyone to look after you either. It's quite, no. You, you never thought of yourself as a feminist at all, have you? No. No. <laughs> you're more doing it for women as a woman than, than a lot of women get to do because your relative situation and what you've done with it, and, and you're not even interested in, in anything like that. You're too busy getting on with a job in life, which is brilliant. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's, it's, it's quite a thing, actually, that you... Your self-reliance is, is always very uh, impressive and sheer bravery to create situations where you're putting yourself in harm's way because the internet's not a safe space, is it? No, no, it's yeah. not. And it has come off the internet, you know, yeah. with um, phone calls to, to the house, uh, yeah. a tablet sent to the house, I remember things that. like that. Yeah. I was so, there in that kitchen when that thing turned up. It was a high-quality tablet years before. It was worth 170 quid. It was a Microsoft tablet. That's and we right. didn't even look at it. And the police came in with the white yeah. uh, plastic gloves and they took it away. <gasps> Bloody hell. Yeah. Should have put it on eBay. But that's like, <laughs> <laughs> We should have done. But it? then it was some encrypted files on it that the police said were so disturbing that they wouldn't even tell me what it was. Oh, so it was obviously goodness. get her to open it and see, you know, yeah. we'll get her next floor opening, God knows what. Yeah, because I thought it was Barry Manilow songs, but you you reckon it's something a bit more... Because I'm an old punk rocker. <laughs> I think it was a little bit worse than that, it was yeah. a bit worse than that, yeah. It was a whole load of um, <clears throat> Arsenal football supporters photographs. You think yeah. so, yeah? Well, I'm a scouser, you know. I don't even like the football, but it, it's part of the job, you know. You say these it things. is, it is. <clears throat> yeah, but it's very interesting that somebody would target you, and I think everyone listening and ourselves can guess what this material was, that the idea of sending that to yourself... I mean, we can't even begin, hopefully we can't even begin to imagine being who we are, what kind of people would go to all that trouble to do that and make sure it couldn't be traced back to them in a solid yeah. box with with padding. It was properly put together and done in a post office, I think, where it couldn't be. It couldn't be traced and even used, you know. And that gives you an idea of just how much risk and danger of a sort you put yourself through, because as you know, a lot of autistic people couldn't even begin to do that. You know? Yeah. Use that, but yeah. yeah, but then we shouldn't be expected to, should we? It's a very good point because you know that this yeah. shouldn't be something that I'm having to do, that Amanda or, or um, Melissa are having to do, that any of us are having to do. You know, this is something that should be taken on by the bigger charities that are being funded. Yeah, you know, yeah. we've now opened um, AIM and we're on funded, we're running yeah. on donations and campaigning and protesting mm. where we can to. Yeah try and stop as much abuse as possible mm. i mean you were at the um vax protest I was. that was fun wasn't it that was hilarious <laughs> that that was so funny uh, that they brought their own two-woman camera crew who lied to us they weren't and then they filmed us and what did they do with the material exactly i mean what what exactly well, 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 I, I wonder I, I reckon it'll be in them um, in the next one i reckon Ooh. it'll be a vax three vax three when half the vax supporters have died of preventable yeah. disease the survivors of suffering long COVID will try to make the camera will be shaking all over the place, you know. Vax three yeah, the survivors. I reckon that will be it. Yeah, yeah, and there'll be film of the tour bus being firebombed by all these people whose <laughs> family elderly relatives died of COVID. And they'll be shouting out the windows, but they would have died anyway. Exactly, exactly. Survival of the fittest is the way they see it. So what is your talk about tomorrow? I'm interested. Well, I'm gonna be talking about whether or not the concept of neuro 
um, not diversity, neurodivergency has won. Mm-hmm. Uh, back in the 90s, there was a concept of liberal democracy is the end of history. The idea that the prevalent social, societal model of all uh, cultures, accepting mm-hmm. the life of career and, and what was communist Russia, but still it's really uh, dictatorship, yeah. is, is this liberal democracy. And I think that neurodivergency, uh, as I can see in the media and, and all around us, is becoming the prevalent, even championed by the people who say the anti-neurodiversity movement, who clearly qualify for being in the neurodiversity movement because they, they get friendly with other autistics, they work together with other autistics, they agitate people on the basis of autism, they hold all these ideas in common, they say they're autistic, they're intellectual snobs, they expect people to take them deadly seriously, and then they say, I've got a disorder of the brain. A disorder of the brain affects how you think and feel. So how do you expect people to take you seriously when you're constantly defining yourself as being lesser than a functioning brain? And they, they expect you to take them deadly seriously because they know what they're talking about, you see? Exactly. It's bonkers. So there's a lot of different elements I was going to put into it. And one thing that I, that I have to say is at the beginning I talked about your education history, and of course that's a load of crap. It is, this whole thing, because in reality, what you can do and how you do it is just pure talent. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say talent. <laughs> I'd is. just say that um, not all learning takes place in school. Yeah. That's the best way That's I can possibly I mean. put it. And, and yeah. the schools then and now are still not fully equipped to deal with autistic individuals. And yeah. the way that we learn, we learn um, in many cases in, in different ways to neurotypical people. Yeah. I've got two members so. of my family who are in schools, one of whom is a child who mm. we don't talk about, who's uh, keeping a secret. He's in a very good school. And another mm-hmm. one teaches in schools. <laughs> two of my two yeah. of my children are, are um, learning assistants in schools, and cool. both are autistic, and both are working in schools that specialise yeah. in um, mental health and mm. autism. Mm. So this it just goes to show you. Yeah, hilarious, the way in the first Vaxxed film, uh, they make out that, what was it, 2032, all children will be autistic if you follow the curve. And what goes without saying is what they're trying to hint is that all said children will, of course, be deeply dysfunctional and not able to be winners, they'll all be losers. They won't be able to do all these big, smart, clever things which define an individual as having worth in the world of Vaxxed and Andrew Wakefield. Yeah. Uh, have we read Brian Deer's book? Yeah. But the thing is, they're not presuming competence in any way. In many cases, these children are non-verbal communicators. Right. And none of these parents are using AAC devices or anything like that. They're all thinking, you know, we need to heal, we need to get rid of this, instead mm. of looking at including yeah. and encouraging and... Yeah. It's very strange that more and more the ideas that you've always taken for granted and had to create AIM in order mm. to champion are becoming more and more mainstream because you were always onto something. And I think that your, your instincts have always been spot on, that certain things had to exist in the world, which is why I, I do the show, the book, the T-shirts. Yeah. From chronic narcissism. We've also apparently. created... Um... Facebook group, it's, which yeah. isn't related to the organisation, but um, right. autism inclusivity is fully yeah. autistic admin, and it is an education group for um, parents 
And we are now yeah. 44,000 members and we have speech and language therapists and yeah. occupational therapists and teachers and carers and parents all learning away yeah. from autistic individuals and it's brilliant. And all the criticism. Yeah, there needs to be more of us out there talking. And all the criticism you get, and all the communicating in any way we can, just add that. (laughs) And this is it. And all you get from the people who have these bizarre ideas against us is that we're not intelligent, we're narcissistic because we talk about ourselves in order Mm. to show and demonstrate what it is to be autistic. Uh, You were quite famous, you know. You got on the Age of Autism website. You were called a dangerous attention seeker. I know, I'm quite proud of myself. I mean, that's it. That is how <laughs> stupid these people are, that they only relevant... And being paid by the Times, remember, and Big Pharma. Well, I've seen the basket of donuts you get once a week. That's real. Well, wait, Paul, you said you wouldn't mention that. <laughs> God, so, you I'm so sorry. We're going to have to deep that out that oh, bit. It's not good enough. Oh, anyway, sorry, sorry. moving on. <laughs> my big mouth, my big mouth. I know, oh, it's going to be the death of you one day, I swear oh, to God. I'm embarrassed, Emma, I'm so sorry. I was told not to talk about those. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and that's another thing, the idea, people like ourselves, uh, one, one of the one most wonderful... Well, are you sure compliment- you're autistic? Because you have a sense of humour. That's a good point, actually, yes. I do have Sarcasm. an empathy for you. I don't know oh, now. God, I'm neurotypical, I want to join a football team. <gasps> Oh, no, I just, oh, heavens, I feel so much for so many people at the same time. I'm one of them, you know. Do you know the thing is, though, at a lot of the football matches, uh, you will notice that a lot of the supporters are autistic or or, um, learning disabled in some way, and they are completely connected to each other. It's actually lovely to see. It's really nice. Relative empathy. That's as simple as that. Deficits are relative to the situation you're in. They disappear. They come and go depending on the social context. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so you, you would create an environment like AIM and the playgroups I've seen, and the kids are having a great time, they're having a normal life. Yeah, that, as they should. That period, and that's the that thing, that these parents way. walk in with these kids and they go, oh, I don't know if they're going to play. Yeah. You know, they don't usually go near other kids. Yeah. yeah. And it's they look around and the child is already, you know, sitting next to another child drawing or, or doing, you know, some sensory play or outside, and they can't believe it. And it's because their child hasn't been around their own peers before. So they haven't felt comfortable enough to be able to sit there and stim and yeah. make noises or rock or whatever else because in a neurotypical classroom they would be looked at and stared at and what are they doing? But mm. when you have autistics all together, it's not. The thing is they say that autistic people have a communication problem, but I've never seen autistic people yeah. have a problem communicating with each other, mm. be it verbal or nonverbal. Mm. Never seen it. Yeah, that's fantastic. And because you created the space in which to actually have that experience and notice it. And we've got our American branch opening now, and we're doing an AIM Asia. Yeah. Now, where about in Asia? That's the thing. The lady who wants to start it up is in... um, Oh, goodness, now. There's 47 (laughs) countries. Yeah, yeah. It's not the Philippines. It begins with I. It's not India. Indonesia. Yes. (gasps) She's Indonesian. And she wants to get... um, And the thing is, in Asia, it's... People aren't open about being autistic. It's seen as not talked about. It's it's not as open. So she hasn't got as many people that will come forward and say, yes, I'm autistic and I want to help. But she's got one from Siam now and um, about three others from different Nepal and two other places. One's from India. So they're all going to set up. It's all going to be online at first, obviously, because of COVID, etc. Yeah. But they're going to be doing Zoom meetings and um, a Facebook page and Instagram, Twitter. And then 
once everything gets up and running, they'll all be able to open their individual branches in their own countries, which will be incredible. What I was and very needed. Going to say. She said, actually, yeah. that all the crack treatments that are thrown out of use in the Western world, you know, that are, that's definitely can't use that, that's dangerous, yeah, go yeah. straight over there and the parents will use it because they believe that their children need to be healed. Ooh. The same stigma exists in uh, Africa, you know, a lot of the countries over, over there. Yeah, yeah. Sierra Leone, you know, yeah. is seen as something that needs to be hidden. Yeah. A curse, a disgrace. So you're dealing with and cultural norms. It, it's exploded out of southeast London to become a global <laughs> concept. And again, it brings back to the talk I was going to give, the idea of, of a concept, an yeah, idea. Yeah, what time are you doing the talk, by the way? Three o'clock on uh, Wednesday, tomorrow. All being well. Will it be recorded and then yeah, put Yeah, yeah, we're going to record oh, it. Oh, good, because we're out. doing the, um, the AIM Nature Walk tomorrow at one. That's why I couldn't join you for it. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, At least I hope on now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do you remember a uh, great compliment you were paid by one maniac in America? Sorry, America, but it was that it wasn't possible that you personally could be making all these observations. I think, did you get that mm. of somebody? They said that it, it, you had to be backed by somebody else. I'm always having to be backed by someone yeah. else. Apparently, apparently my Facebook page and I don't exist because if you go on my Facebook Ooh. page and look in the ID number, it's all a number. My name isn't there, so I'm, I could be a robot or a bot that's talking to you right now. You could indeed, yes. That's, that's very exciting. Yeah, actually, honestly, someone said that, and they yeah. also said that I was possessed by a demon. Hmm, right. Oh, my goodness. It's they so actually impressive. emailed the demon. They said, this Ooh. is the demon possessing Emma. This is not to Ooh. Emma. Goodness, it's it's absolutely wonderful. All yeah, you've got to love the imagination on them, you know. All it is is a variation on humanity. All it is Mm. is the idea that we're the ones that are false, apparently. Yeah, different brains, different bodies, and all you've got to do is take the individual on their own terms and relate to them. When does a lack of ability become a disorder? Okay, you've got these kids, they have a lack of certain abilities to relate and feel. And they have to do things their own way. So, okay, do things their own way, communicate in their own basis, and then bring them mm. into the world. They can't live independently, then arrange a scenario where they don't have to. But we're in a culture where... they're supported. Where the thing is, they care, the, the feelings are there, yeah. but they're expressed in a different way. If yeah. I'm angry, if I'm really angry, I'll laugh. And it's, yeah. it's quite a worrying laugh, you know, and people think, oh, you know, is that funny? And I'll be like, no, I'm laughing at what's going to happen when I stop laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be that bad, you know. But my reactions aren't stereotypical. <laughs> but they make sense to me, you know, and the community. Yeah, yeah, that we they'll have, make sense to we you. Have empathy but... for each other, and it's, it's what I meant. That and one thing I was going to comment on yesterday is the idea that the. I mean, I, I comment on a a talk by a professor about ADHD and he talks about ADHD and what he's describing, he keeps calling it a disorder and there's something in his tone of voice and there's something Mm. that's loaded against disorder but then he describes people who are perfectly functional if they're on the two or three subjects they adore and then they don't have any trouble with the concentration but everything else they try and concentrate on it's like a radio going in and out of focus and I thought that sounds more like people who genuinely have so much self-integrity they just can't do things they don't really want to but he doesn't seem to see that yeah Actually, I can't speak about this much, and you can't say what you know about it either. Yeah. But I had a government official here yesterday that I am working with on yeah. reporting something to do with yeah. um, a non-scientifically proven treatment. Mm. And um, we were talking about um, 
you know, how autistic and ADHD brains work. And he yeah. was saying, you know, that I seem to cope very well. You know, you wouldn't even know that you had it. And I said, well, right now we're sitting here in my front room, you know, but you are able to tune out the tumble dryer, the dogs running around, the curtain moving, the sound yeah. outside, yeah. the police siren that's just gone past. I yeah. said, and I am working very hard to be able to, to, fo- to screen those out. I said, but at the same time, if I heard nothing and it was completely silent in here, I'd find it very hard to concentrate. So he found that quite interesting. And I explained that when I was doing the last two chapters of my book, I couldn't concentrate because it was too quiet. So I had to ask my younger daughter to bounce up and down on the bed next to me, literally to trampoline next to me on the bed so I could finish this book because there was no stimulation around me that would let me (laughs) finish this book without some sort of something happening. Right. You created, you know how to create a scenario in which you can function. Yeah, and that needs to be put in place for more people. If they're Mm. not aware of how to do it, then look for ways to enable and to support and include. It's been a hell of a thing, the online world and what you've taken on and what you've seen you have to. You too, I've seen you have trouble as well. We all do, don't we? I try, like yourself, to engage in in a mature way and not abuse people. I try to reason. And I find that having a very passive but direct approach without getting aggressive and just trying to reason with people and they, they keep trying to trigger me and bait me and I don't rise to mm. it, this has a profound effect And in on many the cases, person. these are parents themselves of yeah. autistic children that yeah. are doing this to autistic adults. It's, yeah. it's worrying. Yeah, there is definitely a phenomenon been going on for a long time since I got diagnosed in 2004. I was aware of it in the papers, let alone chat groups and finally online, of an element of the parents of very disabled autistic children who hate people like us and, and think they're in some kind of perceived war. Mm. It's very strange. No, it's all made up. It's not real, obviously. They've objectified us as the neurodiversity mob or neurodiversity movement. And on many of the podcasts I've made, I've discussed this with other people because... I don't think any of this stuff's real. It just seems to be a small group of very aggressive individuals who are, who are obsessed with cures and think vaccines are... And feel hard done by that they've got a child that they cannot relate to yeah. and hate us for being able to relate to their children. Thank you. Which brings us back to everything you've been doing about teaching others to relate and mm. caring. And actually this thing about the, they're operating off certain societal templates of strong and weak, winners and losers, competence and incompetence, and they won't win a kid, so they don't want loser ones, you say. This is whole... Yeah, it's terribly sad, isn't it, to to think of their children in that way, because their children can always access those things that they think they can't. It's just, again, putting in the the right aids and and the right communication and the right support. Yeah. I think that what, what you do is, it's unique, because you have such a direct... Approach and a lot of autistic people discuss the issues we have and understand them, but they don't have the capacity to be uh, directly there, standing outside of venues like you protested uh, thinking autism on several occasions as well. That charity, yeah, as long as yeah. It is it's not for everyone though. I'd always yeah. say even just signing a petition and and, and you know, mm. there's we have campaigners out there that rubbish people who are not able to do what they do, who are not as so-called capable. Yeah. And I really don't think that's right. Yeah. You know, and anybody can campaign and can advocate. It's just the levels of what they are comfortable doing. And if it's 
putting up a post or sharing or signing a petition, they've done something. Yeah. In my eyes, they've done something. Even if they're not out there standing outside taking abuse from anti-vaxxers and, mm. you know, getting smoke blown in their faces in Ireland outside the Open Minds Conference, that doesn't mean that they really? haven't done something. We were going to go to Chicago, weren't we? Yes, we, we were. We were going to do Chicago. I thought, yeah, I that would have been amazing. I can't let a poor defenceless woman from South East London go on her own. I thought, the poor well, thing. Well, you know. you know, I don't know how I would have possibly found my way even onto the <laughs> plane without you. You know, how, how would I have put one foot in front of the other? <laughs> <laughs> this would have been a disaster, wouldn't it? It would have been great. I'm standing outside this madhouse. This, this, uh, that's a metaphor, by the way. Standing outside this <laughs> venue in Chicago, hiding behind you in the dress, you know. Oh, do you oh, think you so, yeah? been in the dress. I would have I been, been in my, in my um, them, Dr. Go. Martins. Yeah, and your Dr. Martins, I'd be standing behind my you. Go on, Emma, you get them. Looking over your shoulder every now and again at these these grinning egomaniacs walking through, laughing at us, mocking yeah. us in their expensive well, we would have clothes. had that. Yeah. yeah. We've had that many times. Thinking we're yeah. inferior. I remember trying to tackle an ABA specialist once in a pleasant little dialogue. And he said to me, uh, could you tell me up to what level you are educated? I thought, what the hell is that? I've never had anyone say anything like that to me. because he, he wanted to know at what level to pitch an explanation of ABA. ABA, you do it to autistic children, right? Doesn't that sound a little mundane to you? Doesn't that sound a little like hand-to-hand practical? So what on earth are they rationalised? What have they or, you know, thought of that is so sophisticated it goes up to PhD level? You see, but it's just a practical thing. You're supposed it's brainwashing. Obviously, up to up to a point, it's social skills, and after that point, it's just like the film, The Manchurian Candidate. I always mention it. Yeah, the the thing is, the so 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 called social skills that they're trying to that they're trying to right. force a child to replicate, to look at, um, to make eye contact, to ask how are you, da da da, da all these things. But have you ever spoken to an individual who's been through ABA, who's them. greeted you? Because yeah. it's literally robotic. Yeah. How are you? My name is, and there's no feeling. It's literally what they've been taught and what the parents wanted them to mm. be socially appropriate with. And it's so damaging. Mm. It's so, so damaging. Yeah. If you can come up with certain behaviours, you're okay. And it mm. doesn't just go for autistic kids. It's, it's generally our societies, a lot of people. So certainly in a place like London, are having to do an act every day. And, and yeah, put on this mask true. continuously, and it, it's kind of like if you continued in the school system, my mm. God, you could have got into a lot of trouble because you could have gotten to a really good university, or something like that. You would have been absolutely bombs falling on your head. My God, but we have a friend, don't we? A friend in common who went to an extremely good university, ended up in the bar all the time mm, before yeah. they they left it because because of the sheer pressure. Yeah, being such a beautiful, sensitive person in a, in a world like that, yeah, there's a lot of this goes on. You know, yeah, there is. Lot of just stress. not the right supports put in place, and back yeah. then, no recognition of um, autistic females at all. Yeah, well, they didn't exist. I knew no. one when I was attempting <laughs> during my horrendous experience of getting a degree. Horrible, mm. absolutely horrible. I knew an undiagnosed woman who was doing the teacher course. A poor woman, she's still there in Kentish Town somewhere. Her family lived there, they were quite well off. But, uh, I remember what she had to go through. She was obviously on the spectrum. And, oh, you couldn't, you couldn't, I don't know what happened to her now, but you always want to, you always think of these people. But I've met a few over the years, and they were all doing the same thing as you're describing. They're trying to, trying to survive. Mm, oh, that's hard. 
Emma, I've kept you on the phone for a while. You said you had to go and do something, though. Yes, if that's all right. Yes. I've just not been very well, so I'm going to go and actually have a nap. Well, <laughs> that's the thing you. I'm going to go and do. So you're going to get some me time. Up. Me time instead yeah. of thinking of other people. No, a not you. A little bit of that. A little <laughs> tiny bit of that. Good for you. But oh. pleasure talking to you. You too, Emma. Cheers, love. Bye-bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.